Well, there is a lot of drama in the Bible, but there is no more dramatic event described for us in the pages of Holy Scripture than we read just a moment ago from Matthew chapter 28. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each tell of this wonderful event of the resurrection of Jesus. They each give their own particular perspective on it, so really you have to kind of combine the four to get the full understanding of what happened that wonderful resurrection morning. It had been something of a roller coaster week for Jesus and his disciples. It began, of course, uh, with the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem on what we know as Palm Sunday, where Jesus came riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Word spread among the many pilgrims who had come to observe the Passover in the city of Jerusalem that Jesus was their promised Redeemer. And so there developed a sense of euphoria in the crowds and they came rushing out to greet Him. And they cut down palm branches from the trees and waved them before Him. They put their coats on the road before Him and they hailed Him as their King. They, They quoted Old Testament prophecies and applied them to Jesus. The problem was they had the wrong idea of what it meant for Jesus to be the Redeemer. They were looking for someone to redeem them from their bondage to the Roman government, not from their bondage to sin. They were looking for someone to come and overthrow the Roman government and establish the Jewish kingdom not the kingdom of God. And the more they saw, that was not what Jesus was about, the more unsettled they became. Until finally, these same crowds who had hailed Jesus as king, now just a few days later, were pleading with Pilate, saying, crucify him, crucify him. You see, during that week, the Jewish authorities had been looking for an opportunity to destroy Jesus. They saw him a threat as a threat to their religious system and their religious customs. They thought he was a blasphemer because he claimed to be the Son of God. And finally, through the assistance of Judas, they were able to, they were able to arrest him on some trumped-up charges, uh, take him through the mockery of a trial, and rush him to judgment so that he received the sentence of death. And as you know, Jesus was crucified. He was nailed to a cross between two known criminals. The one they had hailed as the Redeemer was dead. And he died the most despicable death reserved for the most notorious of criminals. Jesus' followers were confused, afraid, and defeated. Jesus died just a few hours before the onset of the Sabbath. And so a man named Joseph of Arimathea came and asked the authorities for permission to take Jesus' body down and do something with it to bury it before the Sabbath began. 
And so he was given permission. He took the body down from the cross, took it to his own tomb, which he purchased for his own use, and put Jesus' body there. Now the Roman authorities were afraid that someone might do something with Jesus' body, and so they put a heavy guard at that place, making sure the guard was the tomb was securely sealed and heavily watched. Well, it was on the third day after the crucifixion that some of the women who had followed Jesus came early in the morning to complete the anointing of Jesus' body for proper burial. Hadn't been enough time to do that before the onset of the Sabbath day was crucified. And now the rising of the sun, the day after the Sabbath, this is their first opportunity to take care of this important matter. And so, here the women came to the grave. Isn't it interesting? There's the women who make their way to the grave. Makes you want to ask, where were the men? It's a good question, isn't it? Where were the men? Well, the men were, they were hiding. They were afraid. And they were in fear for their lives, and so they hid. And it was some of the women who loved Jesus, who followed Jesus, who bravely made their way to the tomb. And the only question they had among themselves was, how are we going to roll that huge stone away from the opening to get to Jesus' body? It was when they got to that grave that they made the most remarkable discovery anyone has ever made. And that is that the stone was already rolled away. The tomb was open. And Jesus' body was no longer there. I want you to remember something. Jesus had told his disciples every bit of what I just told you. Not in exact detail. But he told them exactly what was going to happen to him. If you look over with me to Luke chapter 18. Verses 31 through 33. This is before the arrival in Jerusalem, before the triumphal entry. There are other similar texts in the gospel accounts. 31. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus was very clear about what would happen, and yet the, he just went right over the disciples' heads. Look at verse 34. But the disciples understood none of these things, and the meaning of the statement was hidden from them, and they did not comprehend what was said. So even though Jesus had told them exactly what would happen, they went through the whole week scratching their heads, wondering about the events that took place, not understanding the significance of what was happening. Well, it brings us to the third day after the crucifixion. 
and our brief visit this morning to the tomb. And I want you to notice just one thing this morning from the resurrection and the empty tomb, and that is the tremendous power of Christ. As I said a moment ago, there were guards that were placed at the tomb to watch over it, to make sure that it was secure, that nothing happened to the body of Jesus. If you look back at the last uh, two verses before our text this morning, verses, uh, I'm sorry, the last two verses of uh, chapter 27, right before our text, verses 65 and 66 of Matthew 27, we read this, the, Jew, the scribes and Pharisees you come to, to Pilate expressing their concern. And Pilate said to them, verse 65, you, you have a guard, go, make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Now, whether this was the Jewish temple guard, as some suppose, or whether it was a Roman army, a portion of the Roman army, the elite Roman guard, as others suppose, the point is that the tomb was secure. Either one of those groups knew how to make something secure. And they set a seal on the stone. And there were armed guards watching to make sure nothing happened. And we're told in verse 2 of our text that two very interesting things happened that night that Jesus was raised. There was, the text says, a severe earthquake that occurred. And we're told an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And that angel came and rolled the stone away. Now, we don't know much about this earthquake. About its extent or what damage might have occurred because of it. It's interesting that we're told also at the crucifixion back in chapter 27. When Jesus died, a similar thing happened. Verse 51 And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And the same thing happened at the resurrection. The earth shook when Jesus was raised from the dead, and the angel descended from heaven. What was happening when those events took place? Were there both clear demonstrations of the power of God and the power of God? Of Christ. I believe that the earthquake occurred in conjunction with the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. You see, Jesus didn't slip out quietly from the grave unnoticed, but rather he powerfully rose from the dead, defeating all his and our enemies. Look, folks, this was a battle taking place throughout the ministry of Christ. There was a war engaged between the forces of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. The devil had been doing everything in his power to thwart the ministry of Jesus. And in his death and in his resurrection, the enemy was defeated and the earth shook because of it. There's a great Easter hymn that says up from the grave he arose with what with a mighty victory o'er his foes and that victory was so great the event of the resurrection was so powerful that the earth shook because of it 
And then there was this angel, an angel of the Lord, that descended from heaven and rolled the stone away. Now, don't get the idea that the angel rolled the stone away so Jesus could come walking out. The angel rolled the stone away to prove that the body of Jesus was no longer there. And the resurrection had happened. And the victory had been accomplished. This was an angel of the Lord displaying the mighty power of God. And look how that angel is described in verse 3. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. His appearance was like lightning. Anyone had lightning strike nearby? It's a frightening thing, isn't it? And I get the indication in the text that this angel who descended from heaven had bolts of the glory of God shooting out from him. And his clothing, his raiment was shining like the sun. He was white as light. And look how the guards reacted. We're told in verse 4 they shook. It wasn't just the ground that shook. The guards shook for fear of him. They became like dead men. You see the power of Christ and the resurrection and this dramatic appearance of the angel struck fear in their hearts. These were unbelievers. And you know what the writer of Hebrews says about unbelievers coming face to face with the power of the living God. It's a fearful thing, the Bible says. Fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. These guards saw a visual picture of the glory and the power of God and they fainted dead away. What I want you to see this morning is the power of Christ in the resurrection. But I want you to understand this morning that for a believer, for those of us who have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus, who have been called by the Holy Spirit to salvation, the power of Christ is not something from which to react in fear and dread and terror. But the power of Christ is something appealing, encouraging, drawing us to himself. Folks, we serve a living Savior, a risen Savior, a powerful Savior. And the hymn says he's in the world today. And that's true, but he's not just out there in the world, is he? Where is Christ today? Of course, he's on the, he's on the throne sitting at the right hand of his Father, but he sent his Holy Spirit who what, lives in us. The Bible says you have Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what did... Paul tell, or Jesus tell his disciples right before his ascension to heaven he said you shall receive what? power you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 where Paul gives us something of his own personal testimony Philippians chapter 3 
where Paul's talking about his own conversion and his own relationship with Christ and his desires for spiritual growth. I'll begin with verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And now verse 10. And that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Folks, the very same power by which Christ was raised from the dead, which shook the ground. That very same power is available to you and available to me because the risen Christ in the presence of the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 12 about his own experience with what he called a thorn in the flesh, a personal ailment, a weakness that made him feel frail. So much so we prayed three times that God would remove it. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for him to live with that weakness and depend upon his power. What Paul finally says was, I would rather rejoice in my weaknesses that I might depend upon the power of Christ in me. Resurrection power. The reality is that so many times we don't live that way, do we? So often we live more afraid, timid, even defeated. We forget that the Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The power in you is greater than the enemy who comes at your soul. And I want you to understand this Easter morning that we have not just a powerful Savior, but that Savior empowers us to live our lives for Him. You see, we are born again by the power of Christ. If you are a believer this morning, it's because Christ has changed your heart by His power. But He also gives you the power to live your life every day in obedience, in faith, service whatever it is that God brings your way whatever you deal with he has given you the power in Christ to deal with it now that's easy for me to say isn't it many of you know I struggle with that very issue myself it's so easy to be overcome by the circumstances of life instead of overcoming them by the power of Christ. I've been dealing with some personal issues in my own life for the past several months. Some of you know about it, some don't. The elders do. And I've had to go to the elders and say, I'm not doing very well with this. I had to confess and say, I am struggling here. I'm not living by faith here. I don't have joy in this circumstance here. Would you pray for me that the power of Christ would be manifested in my life in this circumstance and in this situation? And folks, that's available to all of us. Maybe you struggle just like I do. 
Maybe sometimes your faith is weak like mine is. Sometimes you allow, maybe sometimes you allow the circumstances to kind of overwhelm you instead of using the power of Christ to overwhelm the circumstances. But be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. Because we have a risen Christ who was raised in such great power the earth shook because of it. And that Christ is now in you. To live in you and to work in you for your good and for God's glory. And may it be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we pray that today you would give us grace. And I pray that you would help us to see the power of the risen of Christ. Not just to see it, but to experience it, to know it, to live by it, to trust in it, and to use it every day as a means of great victory in our own lives. And thank you that we know that because he lives, we live too. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.